All right, so we are in John chapter 4. I want you to experience some wonder as you observe Jesus in John chapter 4. I want you to be stirred in your heart. Love him even more. Understand him better as we look at the woman at the well and the story that she will tell later on in this chapter. Somebody said, how in the world can you preach this many times on the woman at the well? I'll bet you there have been a thousand sermons preached on this passage that are all different. And uh, so today we're going to read verses 5 through 9, and we are thinking about how Jesus treats people, the people skills of Jesus. Do you have any trouble starting a conversation? Today we're going to watch Jesus start a conversation. We're going to look at the very first words he speaks and think about how that conversation began and how he asked that question, okay? So we are learning from Jesus as we go to this text. Now, I want you to pull out your bookmark for a minute. You've got this in your worship guide this week and last week. If you have both of them, throw away last week's because... I think I'm going to be out one Sunday that I didn't know because I'm going to go visit Mickey Mouse with some of my grandkids. And uh, so, and we're taking the RV, you know, I bought this old RV, so we're loading up and going in it. In fact, Dr. Norris and I are working on another project for the RV. We've got a woman here who is bedridden and she's been sort of trapped in Central Texas for several months at Scott and & White, and medical transport is very expensive. And so Dr. Norris asked me, he said, would you be willing to partner up and see if we can't do another uh, trip? So we may be going to Arizona in the RV and taking this woman who is bedridden to a facility there. If you'd like to help, you can talk to Dr. Norris about it. It's going to take a little bit of diesel to get there and back. Um, so, this little bookmark is designed for you to keep in your Bible for the next couple of months. Here's the plan. I want you to think about the one, the one person in your life who needs the Lord. Maybe they know it, maybe they don't. Maybe they know Him, maybe they don't. This is a prayer list for you. And I'd like you to put at least one name on this prayer list. Okay? Think about it. Who is there in your life who needs a special touch from God? Start praying for them. You've got several lines here. You might put under there what you're going to pray for this person, how you're going to pray for them. Maybe, maybe your first request that God would do this particular thing in their life. Now, you don't need to tell them, but if you are rubbing shoulders with them and meeting them at work or school or in family gatherings or as you do recreation and you see them, you may want to tell them, hey, I've been praying for you. I know life is hard. 
whatever is appropriate. And just start praying for them. Now, I'd like you to do it for the next several months. And then I'd like them to be sitting next to you in the pew on Easter Sunday morning. People who don't go to church go to church on Easter. They look for a place to go to church on Easter. So this Easter, let's not any of us come to church by ourselves. Let's start our prayer list. We might have that one at the top, and then there may be a couple others you just really need to put down here because you've got three. So go ahead and put them down. And uh, as that time approaches, we'll think about, okay, let's, let's put the invitation to them to come with us and worship on Resurrection Day with, with us here at First Baptist. Okay? There are other things that God may prompt us to do. We've been talking about how we want the Lord Jesus to show us his love and make our heart like his and how we can live out his love to those around us. So today we're going to look at how you initiate contact with somebody in your life. This works for people you just want to talk to. It also works for people about whom you are burdened. So let's read the text, okay? This is John chapter 5. I mentioned the longest conversation in the New Testament that Jesus has with another individual. We've already started from verse 1, so I'm starting in verse 5. So he, that is Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. In other words, what are you doing? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? You can't talk to me. What is he doing? I've been thinking about that song, Reckless Love, that we sing now and then. Have all of you heard it? Reckless Love, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It came to mind as I read this text and the response of this woman to this love that just seems incredible. He's kicking down the wall. He's knocking down barriers. He's destroying the lie that a Jewish man cannot talk to a Samaritan woman. This is Jesus. Jesus does this a lot. 
He touches people he's not supposed to. He goes places the disciples say, don't go there. They're going to kill you. I'm going anyway. Thomas says, okay, let's go with him so we can die with him. I mean, he's just almost out of control at times in the way that he violates the traditions. He doesn't seem to care what the Pharisees are going to say about him. He always ranks people above rules and regulations. People are more important to him than these rules and regulations. And that's what he's doing here. It's amazing. This is Jesus. Do you know him? He's the one who leaves the 99 in the fold and goes after the one who's lost. And it may seem foolish, but he said that's who God is. These disciples will come back later on in the chapter, and they'll see him talking to this woman. And they'll be thinking, what in the world is he doing? Now, you've got to be willing to be alone if you're going to have a significant conversation with another person. You might be able to do it with one person with you, but you can't do it as a group. In this passage, the disciples are the groupies. They're headed to town. It's the town of Samaria. They probably don't know a soul. Twelve of them together, that's better than one. We don't have to relate to anybody. We don't have to have any conversations. We can just do it ourselves. I've got this comfortable little spot with my 11 friends, and we're going to go to town. We're going to go to the market. We've got safety in numbers. That's what they're doing. And we enjoy doing that. We enjoy being in a group, going somewhere in a group. I've heard that more and more people are dating in groups. Is that true? I kind of like that idea of dating in groups, of going in groups, where there's, you're not making lots of commitments and there's kind of a, a safe place and a secure place to be. But think about how John or James or Andrew or Peter would have a significant conversation with anybody outside that group. Hey, James, what are you doing, man? Come on. We got places to go. We got things to see. We got to get some food. You can't talk to her. You see the problem? If you're in a group, you have to have the permission of the group to break off and have a significant conversation. Group life is great, but there are many times when if you're going to talk to somebody, I mean really talk to them, you're looking for a moment when you can be alone. From the very first of this passage, John records that Jesus had to, it was necessary to go through Samaria. You have now encountered the person. 
for whom it was necessary. It's this woman. It's this woman. She is on the heart of God, and she does not know it. And she is on the heart of Jesus, but she does not know it. And the way Jesus will have this significant conversation is he's going to stay at the well alone. Jesus is okay being alone. Sometimes he prefers it. Sometimes the noise around him and the dust and everybody grabbing at him and pulling on his robe and demanding things from him and here Jesus I got a friend and he's healing and all of the chaos of the mob. Can you imagine what it was like when Jesus at the height of his popularity is surrounded by people who come from all over the nation and even beyond bringing their sick and their needy with all these questions. In the middle of it, and Jesus pulled from every side. No wonder he ran away, which is what he did right before he fed the 5,000. He took off. He got in a boat and disappeared. Sometimes you want to be alone. Of course, following that with 5,000 people being fed, you realize he, he didn't manage to stay alone very long, did he? They went around the shore. They ran around the shore of Galilee and met him on the other side where he performed the wonderful miracle of the feeding of 5,000 people with five loaves and two little fish. Sometimes he'd pull away on the mountainside and pray. When he goes to Gethsemane, that last trip, the Bible records it was his habit as was his usual pattern. He went to this place of solitude to pray. He took his three friends, asked the others to stay behind. And when he got in the place of prayer, he left them and went by himself. So Jesus is okay being alone, and I know you enjoy your alone time. So you enjoy being with a group, and Jesus did. When he had that last meal with them, he told those 12 guys, he said, I have just longed to have this meal with you before I suffer. They didn't want him to talk about suffering. That's what he said. He wanted to be with them. He also needed alone time. It is important for Jesus to be alone at this well when this woman comes up. If the group is there, this conversation doesn't happen. She skitters away. People are afraid. They're nervous about strangers talking to them. This woman will not initiate the conversation. She will not. 
So here, when you read Jesus asking her the question, will you give me a drink? You are reading the moment, the critical moment for this woman and her future and thousands of other people who hear the gospel through her testimony and the testimony of others. This is a moment when Jesus says, will you give me a drink? You must be willing to be alone. Somebody in your life needs you to get with them alone and ask a question that goes beyond the little surface talk and gets to the heart of their need. Jesus is showing us how to do it. Number two, if you're going to follow Jesus in this, notice other people. The Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus could have sat there silently, quietly. He was tired. And let her draw the water and leave. Sometimes you just want to keep your head down. You don't want to deal with people. You're in a situation where you do not need to interact. But normally, you should be aware of the people around you. Why? This was the pattern of Jesus. Jesus was aware of people around him. When the woman in the crowd touched him, he stopped the parade. She just reached out to touch him. She hoped that if she touched him, she could be healed. And she reached out and touched him, and he stopped everything. He was aware of her. If you're going to follow Jesus in your journey on this planet, you'll need to keep your head up. I know you like sometimes to have it down, and that's okay. Sometimes that's necessary. But usually Jesus has his head up, and he's watching. He would say to you like he said to the disciples, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Who are these fields? These are the Gatesvilleites. These are the people who live in this community. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And he wants you to lift up your head and take a look. And you may say to yourself, I don't know these people. Well, he didn't know the Samaritan woman. They'd never met. Now, he knew her perhaps in a supernatural way. But they were strangers in this moment. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to get our chin up. Young people, the world sometimes seems overwhelming. But God put you on this planet so you could have a wide and powerful influence with people who need him. In order to do that, you've got to keep your head up. You've got to look on the fields. You have to see the people before you as folks whom God loves 
He loves them passionately. He has a longing in his heart for them. You must see them this way. So don't keep your head down your life long through. Keep your head up. This is the 10th anniversary, I think, today of a curious ministry we started in Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Every week, the church ladies go to Bourbon Street. Now they are known on Bourbon Street after 10 years. When they come, they're waved in by the people, the bouncers who stand in front of the clubs. The girls that dance in these clubs know them. They're getting ready for Mardi Gras when there will be hundreds of women brought into the city. And they're going to try to give a gift to every one of these women who are brought in to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. They've been doing it for 10 years. I'll bet you've never seen a church that had racks of presents named after dance clubs on Bourbon Street in the lobby. And people, yeah, true, <laughs> people packing them. They say, what is that ministry about? It's about getting our head up, seeing people who are hurting, who are in need, some of them who may be enslaved, who are experiencing human trafficking. Oh, yeah. We've met them, runaway teenagers, 16 years old, trapped on the street by predators, end up dancing at these clubs. The clubs don't even pay the dancers. They pay the pimps. If we get our head up, we're going to see a world that needs Jesus. People right here in this community who need Jesus, and some of them are desperate, and they are hurting, and you know how the love of God will be communicated to them? Through somebody, flesh and blood, who loves them in Jesus' name. Don't keep your head down all your life long through. Get your head up. This woman's coming to the well at noon. It's the hardest part of the day. When we were hauling hay, we'd break around 10 o'clock. Let the heat of the day go by and start back at 2. If you had to walk to the grocery store every day, and it was summertime in Gatesville, I bet you'd walk in the morning or the evening, not at noon. And that climate is much like ours, and people have observed for hundreds of years that the woman at the well came to the well at a time when other people probably weren't. I suppose maybe she had a reputation in town, and sometimes when she got out in public, people whispered about her, or she thought they were. Her indiscretions were public information. 
And the little village knew about who she was. So she came at noon so she wouldn't run into anybody. I don't know what it feels like to be a woman in her shoes. But I know that this question, will you give me a drink, went to her heart like an arrow. Who are you? What kind of man are you who would ask me for a drink? Don't you know who I am? Not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. Haven't you ever read the warnings about foreign women and having conversations with them? They're in the Bible. Foreign women can draw your heart away from God. These strange women, women, they're dangerous to you. Don't talk to them. Jesus is the one who will not let the woman draw his heart away from the Father, but will rather, with his compassion and love, draw this woman who's away from God toward the Father. It's a beautiful thing what's happening here as Jesus pays attention and sees this woman. This week, keep your eyes open. Ask the Holy Spirit to be with you when you walk out your door. You're going to see somebody who needs the Savior. And they will not initiate a conversation with you because it's too risky for them. They hide who they really are. They don't want others to know. But if you will keep your eyes open, God will use you as a channel to them. Ask for a drink. Be willing to be alone. Notice other people. Ask for a drink. It's the most natural thing in the world. Jesus is thirsty. Not for the first time. Nor for the last. Jesus said, anybody who gives a cup of cold water in my name will not lose their reward. In this hot, dusty, arid climate where he lives, a cup of cold water is a precious thing. He doesn't have anything to draw, draw with. The well is deep. And so he asks the Samaritan woman for a drink. He will be unclean when he drinks from her vessel. Unclean if he touches her. But he asks for a drink because it is a natural entree. The only way for you to ask a natural question is to get out of yourself and love the person you're looking at. If you will look at them and see them, really who they are, and love them, 
just say to yourself, God, help me love this person. Help me care for them. God will open your own heart up and liberate you from the self-consciousness that keeps you from asking the question, that keeps you from entering into conversation, prevents you from creating new friendships, establishing new relationships. You're too self-conscious. Become other-centered. As Jesus loves this woman, he is asking her an authentic question. It's a natural question. It's authentic. It doesn't sound fake. It sounds real. I have started on planes when I sit down with strangers. If I'm going to New Orleans, which I often do, or sometimes to San Francisco, um, I'll just say, well, is New Orleans your home? That's a natural question, right? And if they want to talk... We have a conversation. Or are you making a visit to San Francisco, going on business, just trying to initiate a conversation? It's amazing what happens if you'll do this. People will actually talk to you. People enjoy that sometimes. Not always. Sometimes Brian gets on a plane and he puts on his earphones and he goes to work. Am I right, Brian? Are you in church, Brian? Oh, there you are. Okay. Brian confessed this on Monday. He said, I just, that's what I do. And I do that sometimes too because I've got documents to read and things to prepare for meetings where I'm going. But I'm trying to stay open to the Holy Spirit as I meet strangers. And so this is, this is the way that I do it. When I sit down beside them on a plane or wherever, I'm just asking these little questions where we can enter into dialogue. I told you last week about the question that the man next to me asked me. We had some kind of preliminary little conversation like that that I just mentioned. So is New Orleans your home? And just in one or two sentences, he says to me, what do you think about divorce? Somehow, in the little conversation we had, he got permission to ask that. You see? And that became a moment of spiritual discussion with this man about the condition of his life. God can use you. Will you watch Jesus as he asks this woman, as he sees this woman, as he interacts with her? And will you pray today, Lord Jesus, make me more like you so that you can use me to reach people who need you? The question is natural. Jesus' question is authentic. His contact is safe. She can say to him, sure, here's a drink, or sir, I can't let you drink from my uh, vessel here because then I'll be unclean. I don't know if she would. She can see Mount Gerizim from the well. That's where they worship, on Mount Gerizim. It's just to the south of Jacob's well. She can see it. 
So maybe she's thinking, no, I can't. She, it's a natural question. It's an authentic question. It's a safe contact. And Jesus is loving this lady as he doesn't. I think you can come across as loving as you converse with strangers, somebody who cares about others. I wish that I were more naturally perceptive, tuned into other people's feelings. I'm afraid I'm more like the absent-minded professor who just goes about in his little intellectual world, and sometimes people have to kind of thump me on the head to get my attention. That's just kind of who I am by nature. So I have to work at following Jesus in this event where he talks to the Samaritan woman and saying, Lord, let me be more perceptive about people and help me communicate my concern and care for them as we have our small conversations. It's amazing what God has done. God has initiated contact with you. You didn't start the conversation with God. God started it with you. Maybe you're one of those blessed ones who had parents who loved the Lord. And so the conversation was natural for you. And you grew up learning how to pray and knowing that God loved you. However you came to Jesus, you didn't start the conversation. God started it. If you've never come to Jesus before, God may be starting a conversation with you right now. In this very moment, the story of the woman at the well has helped thousands and thousands of people realize, God is looking for me. He loves me and cares about me and he wants me in his family. I can't comprehend that. There's no way I can understand the extent of his love, but that's who he is. Because God initiated the conversation with you, I hope that you will initiate conversations with others about how he cares for them. Bow with me, please. Lord, I'm asking you to put the name of somebody on every heart in this room. Help us to be able to write it out on the little bookmark. To speak the name to you in prayer. Show us the face of the person that is our assignment. Maybe this week. Maybe for the months to come. Lord, thank you for loving this woman. Drawing her to yourself. Help us to follow in your steps. In loving others as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.